Coming up on this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, the fan-made Lego Cybertruck project gets one step closer to reality and gets an upgrade to boot. Tesla releases its latest autopilot and fire safety report. Some good news for Tesla owners in Michigan and more. What's happening, friends? Welcome to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, episode 234 for January 26th, 2020. I'm Brian McCaffrey. Next to me, as always, Daisy the Boxer Puppy. And I spent most of the week out of town on business, so I was just barely able to keep up with the podcast and everything going on. But what's nice is uh, those flights, you know, you get a little extra time to either work on the podcast or do a little work work or in this case as well, like, you know, sneak a little TV in there. I don't know if if you've watched Picard yet, for any of you that are Star Trek fans, but for me, uh, the original series, I was just a little too young for that, born in 1980, so, but for me, the next generation is, that is Star Trek for me. I love TNG, and man, it is good to see Patrick Stewart back as Jean-Luc Picard. Anyway, let's talk some Tesla, shall we? First up this week, Tesla has released... It's Q4 2019 Vehicle Safety Report. Tesla writing, quote, In the fourth quarter, we registered one accident for every 3.07 million miles driven in which drivers had autopilot engaged. For those driving without autopilot but with our active safety features, we registered one accident for every 2.10 million miles driven. For those driving without autopilot, and without our active safety features, we registered one accident for every 1.64 million miles driven. By comparison, the NHTSA's most recent data shows that in the United States, there is an automobile crash every 479,000 miles. So uh, for reference now, let's let's get some good comparison going. Q3 2019 for Tesla was one accident for every 4.34 million miles driven with autopilot engaged, and one in every 2.7 million miles for Teslas with autopilot disengaged. For How about a little more context and reference? Let's go back to when Tesla first started reporting this data back in Q3 of 2018, And at that point, it was one accident per 3.34 million miles with autopilot and one accident per 1.92 million for Teslas without autopilot engaged. So as you can see, the number fluctuates uh, quite possibly because Teslas have so relatively few numbers of accidents that any incident will have a tangible effect on those numbers. Also bear in mind, too, that the fleet is growing a lot larger in every single quarter now, every quarter. Remember, Tesla has delivered 100,000 cars in each of the past two quarters, which for now is a really sizable chunk of the entire cumulative Tesla fleet. So it does make sense that the ratio is becoming a bit less favorable. I mean, it's just math. The more cars on the road, 
the greater the chances of something happening with more cars on the road. So uh, we know that the autopilot system hasn't gotten worse. It's quite the opposite. Autopilot's getting better, but the fleet is just getting so much larger so quickly. Uh, by the way, if you're also curious, Tesla is releasing Fire data too because, you know, Fire's Tesla fires have been, uh, shall we say, a, a favorite topic of, of the media, certain media, when, when uh, a Tesla fire does occur. So Tesla is publishing that data, and they say from 2012 to 2019, there has been approximately one Tesla vehicle fire for every 175 million miles traveled. By comparison, data from the National Fire Protection Association and U.S. Department of Transportation shows that in the United States, there is a vehicle fire for every 19 million miles traveled, end quote. So the fire risk in a Tesla versus not in a Tesla is almost a tenfold difference. It's pretty darn close. Uh, to use one of Elon's favorite phrases... It's almost an order of magnitude difference. That is how significant the fire risk is in an internal combustion engine car versus a Tesla. So uh, some good numbers there on the, on the safety metrics. Good to see Tesla continuing to release that. I'd still, I'd love to see more and more data. Just give, you know, break it down further. Let's see some more, more numbers, more detail, but as a, as a top-level overview, that gives you a good idea of where Tesla is relative to the rest of the automotive industry. Next up this week, uh, I, this is one of those stories I didn't even want or intend to talk about this, but it became such a thing. This was one of those fudster stories that broke through the noise and became a thing. So here we go. Uh, you may have heard also because those very fudsters have, have rather successfully gotten media outlets to pick up on this about the investigation that the aforementioned National Highway Traffic Safety Administration has launched into Tesla regarding so-called unintended vehicle acceleration, sudden unintended acceleration. The complaint that is filed seeks the recall of, I kid you not, literally every single Tesla ever made for this problem. And I know this is a podcast and you can't see me, but you can picture the air quotes that I'm putting around the word problem because this is obvious, obvious BS. And as it turns out, thank you, Clean Technica, for the report here, uh, there is a very unsurprising reason that it's all BS because the complaint was created by a Tesla short seller, I know you're shocked, uh, who doesn't even own a Tesla, yes? Uh, and here's the funny part. I can't help but laugh at this, and I'm not laughing at this gentleman, but I'm just laughing at the, at the ironic hilarity of it all. The name of the person, the name of the short seller who doesn't own a Tesla that filed this complaint, <clears throat> let me clear my throat so you can make sure you hear me properly, his name is Brian Sparks. Yes, Brian Sparks filed a complaint against an electric car company. Uh, as, as you can uh, probably imagine, 
You know, Tesla can't respond to every single piece of fear, uncertainty, and doubt that's floated around out there. Because if they tried, they'd never get anything else done. And that might sound like hyperbole right there, but it's really not. You know, I've talked before. I try not to dwell on it because I want to keep things positive, keep things enthusiastic. We're all here because we love these cars and the company. But, uh, you know, it's the, the FUD is... is constant. It is intentional. It is a it is a carefully designed misinformation campaign of which this is the latest uh I don't even know the quite quite the right word to put the the latest uh I don't know just limb of this multi-tentacled <laughs> beast that is the the FUD community but uh so anyway, yeah, t- you know, Tesla can't respond to every single piece of of nonsense that's floated out there. But in this case, Tesla did see fit to issue a statement. And it is, uh, I think, my interpretation of it, it's pretty tersely worded, and it goes as follows. Uh, By the way, under the headline, this is the headline on the the blog post on Tesla.com. The headline is, there is no, quote, unintended acceleration in Tesla vehicles. And Tesla's response reads as such, this petition is completely false and was brought by a Tesla short seller. We investigate every single incident where the driver alleges to us that their vehicle accelerated contrary to their input. And in every case where we had the vehicle's data, we confirmed that the car operated as designed. In other words, the car accelerates if and only if the driver told it to do so, and it slows or stops when the driver applies the brake. While accidents caused by a mistaken press of the accelerator pedal have been alleged for nearly every make and model of vehicle on the road, the accelerator pedals in Model S, X, and 3 vehicles have two independent position sensors, and if there is any error, the system defaults to cut off motor torque. Likewise, applying the brake pedal simultaneously with the accelerator pedal will override the accelerator pedal input and cut off motor torque, and regardless of the torque, sustained braking will stop the car. Unique to Tesla, we also use the autopilot sensor suite to help distinguish potential pedal misapplications and cut torque to mitigate or prevent accidents when we're confident the driver's input was unintentional. Each system is independent and records data so we can examine exactly what happened. The end of their statement reads, We are transparent with the NHTSA and routinely review customer complaints of unintended acceleration with them. Over the past several years, we discussed with NHTSA the majority of the complaints alleged in the petition. In every case we reviewed with them, the data proved the vehicle functioned properly. End quote. So there you go. Tesla saying this is nonsense because uh, everything that's already in the short seller's complaint has already been addressed by Tesla with the NHTSA. But it's uh, I like seeing there that Tesla explaining in great, great detail how their cars protect against this happening. And they didn't even really explicitly mention the obstacle-aware acceleration option in the UI that was added within the last, I would say, year or two. But anyway, I just think it's a shame that Tesla has to reply to this at 
all, but sometimes you do have to call out the BS, lest that BS perception morph into BS reality, and then subsequently invite, you guessed it, more BS. Uh, By the way, this segment has been brought to you by Scott's Fertilizer. Manure, it's for your yard. (laughs) Anyway... Uh, so yeah, not not my favorite story to talk about, but it did merit discussion for this week. In better news, some good news for Tesla in Michigan, which as you may very well be aware, that has been sort of Tesla's Mount Doom, uh, their Mordor in, in Tesla's quest to legally sell their vehicles and service them in all 50 United States. Uh, This report comes via Bloomberg, who writes, Tesla has reached a settlement with the state of Michigan over its federal lawsuit challenging a state ban on direct-to-consumer sales, according to people familiar with the matter. In a partial victory for Tesla, the accord clears the way for the electric car maker to open service centers in the state through a subsidiary said one of the people who asked not to be identified ahead of a filing in U.S. District Court that's expected as soon as this past week. Customers will still have to title their cars in another state and transfer them to Michigan. Tesla owners in the state had to travel to Cleveland or Columbus, Ohio to have their vehicles worked on until the company recently opened a service center in Toledo near the state border, end quote from Bloomberg. Well, This is a huge symbolic victory, if nothing else, at least in my humble opinion, because this is obviously not the ultimate desired outcome. Tesla still can't directly sell to consumers in Michigan, and uh, Michigan customers still have to jump through hoops when they're buying the car. But being able to open service centers, boy, that's, that's a big start for customer support, And that will also give a lot more potential future Michigan customers the confidence to go ahead and follow through on their Tesla purchase in the state of Michigan. And the other thing, too, this is on the eve of Model Y's launch. You know, whether whether eve means weeks or a couple months yet, it is in the grand scheme of things as this, you know, this settlement comes comes together. It is the eve of the Y's launch, and that is as I don't need to remind you, the vehicle that Tesla predicts will be its most popular. So it's critical timing, I think. The settlement here is really critical timing. Tesla will be able to start popping open service centers around Michigan. I would expect to see something you know, in or around Detroit. Uh, probably Ann Arbor could be a good candidate as well. I don't know Michigan super well. But uh, yeah, this is nevertheless really good news. Tesla owners will no longer have to drive just mere feet across the border into Toledo, uh, Ohio, to get their their cars serviced. So good news in Michigan, not quite total victory, but we're getting there. Now, speaking of the Model Y, uh, following up on the story that I told you about last week regarding the possibly imminent Founder Series deliveries of the Model Y, comes some more potential evidence, and I do want to emphasize potential, uh, evidence that the Y is imminent. Tesla Motors Reddit user uh, Quaff4, Q-U-A-F-4, claims to have received a call from his or her local Tesla store regarding their upcoming delivery. 
uh, they typed on Reddit, quote, I just received a phone call from an employee at Tesla Oakville, Ontario in Canada, who was calling to guide me through the upcoming delivery process for my Model Y. I asked when to expect delivery, and he told me that the performance variant will start deliveries next month and that I could expect my long-range all-wheel drive in March or April. Interesting to hear it officially from an employee rather than pure speculation from media sources. So again, I'm choosing my words carefully here because this is not confirmed. Now, I'm not saying I don't believe this person. However, it is my journalistic duty uh, here as and someone who who is a a trained journalist by trade to note that you know we've we've seen people make up stories like this on the internet before just to get those sweet sweet internet points get that five minutes of fame now I'm, again I'm not saying that's the case here I'm just saying we have to kind of bear that in mind that we don't have any sort of official confirmation of this but because um, I, I will admit that. I'm a little bit skeptical from the fact that this happened in Ontario, Canada, as the, the sort of a, a call occurring to a, a customer, supposedly, rather than somewhere closer to the Tesla mothership here in California. And I promise, I'm not trying to be like an elite, a coastal elite on this. It just would, it would make more sense, based on Tesla's history, that calls would be going out in California first as uh, deliveries would would probably start closer to home here because California is, after all, uh, arguably Tesla's single biggest market, even if even compared to certain countries. A lot of Tesla cars are sold in California. So way out on the opposite end of, the, of, of North America in Ontario, that's a, that's a pretty long way to go for one of the first Model Y calls to go out. So, you know, it's, it is possible that this person is is totally telling the truth, but the Tesla employee that called them could be misrepresenting the situation in, in an honest way. You know, I'm not I'm not saying there's any malicious intent or any any sort of intentional leg pulling on Tesla's part, certainly. So, you know, even though I'm cautiously optimistic on this, I I definitely did want to mention it here on the podcast this this week because one way or another, we are we're kind of getting to that point where it's kind of the where there's smoke, there's fire stage of things with regard to Model Y's launch. If it is happening next month, Tesla is likely going to have a launch event, probably at the Fremont factory, because all the launch events have occurred there since that's where all the cars are built. The unveilings tend to happen down in Hawthorne at the design studio where the prototypes are made and the cars are designed. And then the launch events have always happened uh, here up here in my neck of the woods at the Fremont factory where the cars are built. So um, if that event happens, it would likely be next month as well if this if indeed this call from the employee is correct. But you know the one thing is uh, Tesla events almost always seem to get announced on extremely short notice. So uh, there's probably nothing to be gleaned from the confirmation or or lack thereof in the current case of a launch event. So here's hoping that we get some concrete information about the Model Y and its launch from Elon Musk and the Tesla executive team on the earnings call that is happening next week. Next this week, uh, remember the Lego Cybertruck 
that proposal that was submitted to the Lego Ideas platform from the uh, person who goes by the username Brickin Nick, clearly a Lego fan. Uh, I had told you about that on the podcast eh, maybe a month or two back. And that that uh, idea proposal from Brick and Nick needed 10,000 votes of support in order to effectively advance it to the next round within Lego and, and bring it one step closer to reality. Well, good news, it got the 10,000 votes that it needed in order to get... it is It will now be sent to the Lego design team for a formal review. So they're going to take a look at the proposal. They're going to take a look at Nick's build, and they're going to see if that's a, if it's a thing that they want to make. Now, in this case, they would have to get, I'm sure, they would have to get permission from Tesla. Uh, do I think Elon would grant that permission? I think he, I think there's a pretty good chance he would. Um, I mean, there are there are Matchbox or Hot Wheels. I'm not sure which. I think Hot Wheels for sure. There are Hot Wheels Teslas out there, and that has to involve some sort of licensing agreement. Um, so I think if if Lego were to give it the green light, I think I don't think Tesla would would stand in the way. I think Tesla would let it happen. So again, this this milestone it doesn't guarantee anything. But it does bring that Lego Cybertruck, which, by the way, uh, Brick and Nick has now added to it. It now includes a Lego minifigure of Elon and one of Franz, who, yes, is holding a steel ball and a sledgehammer. Of course, it's not actually steel. It's a little plastic ball. But so they've got the he's got the minifigs in there, too, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, Nick saying on Twitter, quote, 10,000 supporters. We did it, friends. The incredible excitement and support from all of you has been beyond amazing. To think that our Lego Cybertruck has a chance of becoming a real set is mind-boggling. Regardless of what happens, I'll never be able to thank you all enough. So, Nick, if you're listening, I wanted to say congratulations to you. And to my listeners, I wanted to say thank you to all of you who went out onto the Lego Ideas website when I had initially uh, told you about this and you pledged your support. I think that's really wonderful. And I really, I would love to see this happen. This would be super cool. I mean, what a great, fun thing that would be uh, that, that could come to market, you know, probably within the next year while everybody's waiting for their Cybertruck. And it'd just be, it would just be a fun Lego kit. I mean, the, the Cybertruck has such a, a distinct shape to it that building building one out of Legos would be a would be a really fun project. And the fact that that Nick went out of his way and and is uh got a, a little Lego Elon and a Lego Franz in there just makes it all the better. So really good stuff this week. Now, finally this week, uh, I wanted to let you know you may have I mean I mentioned it a, a few minutes ago, but next week is going to be what should be a pretty big episode of this podcast because I'll be doing my quarterly earnings call recap and analysis episode. If you haven't heard one of these before, if you're a new listener, every week, or every quarter rather, I do my usual thing. I go through, I listen to the entire earnings call. I pull a bunch of audio clips, all the most interesting sound bites from Elon and the Tesla executive team. You know, I, I just basically make it a, a nice digestible version for you with some thoughts and analysis on everything they say. So I have a really good time doing those episodes. They are, they're, 
a lot of work, but I really, I'm always super happy with how they turn out, and I'm always really happy to put those episodes out there. So, you know, is is Elon going to announce those Model Y first deliveries next week? We'll see. Is he going to announce anything else big, like hopefully a quarterly profit for Q4? That would be great. So the earnings call is happening on January 29th. So uh, stay tuned to next week's episode of Ride the Lightning for that recap and analysis episode. All right, for now, though, that's everything I've got for you in the world of Tesla news. Stick with me, though. I'm far from done. Next up are your excellent phone calls in the Ride the Lightning hotline, your Tesla questions, comments, and discussion topics right after this. Welcome to the Ride the Lightning Hotline, your chance to shine. I welcome and invite your questions, comments, and discussion topics as they pertain to the world of Tesla, of course. So if you'd like to send in a call, you can do so in one of two easy ways. You can use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question. Please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less, a minute and a half or less, and email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can just call and leave a message anytime you like right on the Ride the Lightning hotline. Got a toll-free phone number set up for that. Dial it anytime or Skype it to 1-888-989-8752. That number again, one 888 T-S-L-A. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let me kick it off with Joe in Ottawa. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Ryan. Joe from Ottawa. I'm a aspiring Tesla owner and a automation enthusiast. I really got thinking about your trip to uh, Arizona and that long wait at the supercharger. I'm imagining a future where Tesla would incorporate inductive power transfer to charge their cars wirelessly. That way, if there's a queue at a supercharger, the cars would make themselves an order and the owners could actually leave and the cars would use the advanced summon technology to move around the parking lot and take turns charging. That way, if it's a three-hour wait, you can go see a movie or go for a nice dinner without having to run out and move your car when your, t- uh, when your turn is up. Uh, this could also maybe be incorporated for city dwellers in uh, community parking lots to be able to charge their cars uh, overnight. That way, uh, if you live in an apartment building, you park, uh, all the surrounding Teslas would uh, figure out a system based on projected departure time and try to uh, set up a system where everyone gets charged uh, automatically. Uh, Crazy idea. Let me know what you think. Thanks. Hi, Joe. Thanks for calling in. You know, I'm all for any good ideas that improve the supercharger experience, which, uh, to be clear, is already really good. For me, I'd like to see the future of supercharging include faster charging speeds. I'm talking beyond V3, which, remember, 
Elon did hint at that very thing at the very beginning of the Cybertruck reveal uh, event presentation, which I feel like kind of got completely lost uh, and forgotten once the Cybertruck came out and everyone was shocked by by the sight of it. But at the very beginning, he he had said, you remember, well, we'll talk, you know, super higher charging speeds. We'll talk more about that in the future. So that's a thing. Uh, I'd also like to see more and better amenities at the supercharger. I would like to see something to account for autonomous driving so that you can sleep through the night on a trip and that the car will go ahead and charge itself, whether that's from wireless inductive charging like you suggest, or the RoboSnake charging cable that was prototyped several years ago. By the way, if you're not familiar with that, if you're newer to the Tesla world, and you're like, what, Ryan, what on earth are you talking about, about a RoboSnake? Oh, it's a real thing. Uh, If you go on YouTube and search Tesla RoboSnake, that should pull it up. In fact, uh, as the the podcast continues here, I will make sure that that exact thing is, uh, is exactly what pulls up. But yeah, the Robo Snake is exactly what it sounds like, where it is uh, a a uh, automatic cable that's that sort of stands up like a like a a cobra that's that's being you know lured out of a of a of a of a jar by a a flute playing you know somebody playing a flute. But let's see, Tesla charging snake. Let's see if that pulls it up. Yep, it's the very first thing, and it's got 5.7 million views on it. You should definitely see it if you haven't seen it already. Uh, anyway, um, so, you know, I will say, too, supercharging, it's already very convenient in that there's no on-site billing. You know, you don't have to swipe a card or anything like that. And, you know, a lot of the superchargers are located in the in desirable spots, meaning, like, they're not in the total middle of nowhere. I mean... I'm no electrical engineer, but the one knock that I've always heard against inductive charging, as you're suggesting, is charging losses, charging efficiency, so um, or inefficiency in this case. So I don't know. You know, technology is always improving, so it's entirely possible that we might see that idea brought to life somehow. Let me go next to Phoenix and talk to Brandon. Go ahead, Brandon. You're on the air. Hey, Ryan, this is Brandon from Phoenix, Arizona. Actually, on Twitter, I follow you as TeslaPHX. But I was actually making a comment on something that one of your callers had said about some sort of a notification whether or not the charger would be working or not, so you wouldn't use a bad one. This this is already being implemented by Tesla. If you go to their V3 chargers, in the light that says Tesla at the top of it is not lit, it does not work. The ones that do work are lit. So if this is something that they're already implementing. It's not a green light, a red light, or, or um, a, a status, but it is an on or off kind of thing. I just thought I'd go ahead and call in and let you know. Very interesting, Brandon. I have to say, I did not know that. So I want to thank you for teaching me something new today because I always appreciate that. As I say, like I, you know, I do my best to be well researched on this podcast and be informative and and for me personally to be informed, but 
I don't know everything, and I always appreciate when I get to learn something new. So uh, I will now be on the lookout for that the next time that I happen upon a V3 supercharger. So thank you again, Brandon. Uh, Let me go to Bruce in Connecticut. We've got a couple calls now talking about the Wi-Fi built into the Tesla wall connectors. So here is Bruce from Connecticut first on that topic. Hi, this is Bruce Becker in Connecticut calling in and uh, in answer to your uh, query about why the new Tesla charger would have built-in Wi-Fi, I have been using a ChargePoint home charger uh, which has built-in Wi-Fi for the main reason that um, it connects and communicates with my electricity provider, uh, which uh, uh, in my case in Connecticut um, uh, is Clear Clearview, and they have a special program where I get free weekend um, charging uh, without any um, uh, charge for the electricity production. I still pay a certain amount to the utility company for transmission, but the uh, charges are waived on the weekend, and so having that Wi-Fi connection allows the data from the charger to be communicated to the utility company. I imagine as there are more and more electric cars uh, that roll out, that utility companies will offer special rates um, uh, to incentivize charging in the evening when uh, the electricity is essentially free uh, from the grid. Um, So I I think that would be the reason. Uh, I love your uh, podcast and um, Good work. Thanks. Thank you, Bruce. In fact, I had a lot of great calls and emails from uh, those of you out there about this. And that sounds like a very smart and sensible use case, I have to say. Thanks, Bruce. Other people pointed out that the built-in Wi-Fi can be used to deliver software updates to your car, which also makes sense. Uh, Or perhaps, too, it could factor into the robo-taxi once that rolls around, and allow you to share your home or business charger that you've installed. You could share it with the robo-taxi fleet or even just any Tesla user and actually bill them and not bill yourself since the car would know whether or not it's it's you and then the data could be transmitted by the charger's onboard Wi-Fi. So that's another option there, too. Good stuff. Thanks to everybody that called in on this, but let's do... There's one more interesting perspective I want to go to here, and it's Eric from Vermont. Hey, uh, Ryan, this is Eric from Vermont. Uh, First off, just wanted to respond to your question about the Tesla Wi-Fi wall charger. Uh, Our utility, Green Mountain Power, which is a great forward-thinking utility, gave us a free wall charger with the purchase of our Tesla, but it needed to be a networked wall charger for our current rate plan, which is $30 a month, um, so that they basically could have the ability to uh, use it as a smart meter and turn off uh, the wall charger during peak periods. Uh, I could also see the new wall charger being useful at businesses with level two destination chargers. The business owner could decide how they want to have that charger being used and uh, they could check it in the Tesla app. You know, why not just swipe a little further past your cars and power walls to to see the controls for the the Wi-Fi wall charger? Uh, The second point I wanted to 
uh, say was I was sorry to hear about Noah's call about his 85 kilowatt hour battery problems. Uh, the new 85 kilowatt hour battery that showed up on Tesla's part list, maybe, maybe that's the answer. Um, you know, uh, I'm sure trolls would love a massive battery recall, but hopefully Tesla can do the right thing and uh, get his Model S back up to full strength. And then uh, on a personal note, I wanted to thank you for the podcast each week. Uh, happened to be listening to episode 220-something when uh, my two girls and I were in the car and my voice came on the radio and they were just floored to hear that. Now my three-year-old wants to hear it again. They love riding in the our Model 3, doing hard accelerations, which we call Zoom Zooms. Um, so... Have uh, have a great week. Happy motoring to you and the other listeners. Eric, thanks for the kind words. Uh, it's very cool that your utility company gave you a free wall charger. I guess now if they're still doing that, they'll get what they're looking for much more easily with this version 3 wall charger. Uh, and yeah, you're right about the Wi-Fi wall connector maybe being integrated into the Tesla app. I could see how that could be super useful in certain applications. In fact... I wanted to augment my response here. Here is a quick extra perspective on this from Marcus in Vermont. Marcus wrote in, emailed in, and said, I've been listening for quite some time. Uh, let's see. I live in Vermont and am fortunate enough to work on the complex problem of bringing the smart grid to reality. EVs are such a huge part of decarbonizing our society. In Vermont, transportation is about 50% of the state's carbon emissions. Tesla has more than 2,000 power walls in the state for grid balancing. These chargers would allow for controllable assets that could be controlled to absorb renewable energy when it's plentiful, end quote. Uh, so I thought that was a, a neat little additional kind of other side of the coin on that. Uh, finally, Eric... I do hope you're right that the new 85 kilowatt hour battery pack that did show up, as you noted, on Tesla's parts list. I hope, I hope that that's uh, indeed what's going to be the solution for the people affected by what we were talking about, uh, Noah and folks last week. So I'll definitely be keeping an eye on that to see what becomes of it. And for Noah and others affected out there, uh, they're listening to this. There is a big, big thread on the Tesla Motors Club forums tracking and discussing this if you wanted to jump in and uh, keep tabs on that. All right, Johnny from Prince Edward Island in Canada is up next. Let's talk uh, about high beams. Remember when I was telling you after my Arizona trip about how uh, not thrilled I was about the performance of my automatic high beams? Johnny, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. It's Johnny from Prince Edward Island calling you back again. Uh, I just want to quickly talk about the issue you're having with the auto high beam feature on your car during a recent trip to Arizona, and you discussed in episode 231. Uh, when the auto high beam feature uh, clicked off, did you happen to notice if there was a reflective speed limit or traffic sign on the side of the road at the time? You see, I use the high beam feature every night when I drove excuse me, when I drive to my rural home outside of Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island in my standard range plus, and I get the exact same thing. After a few trips in the car, I noticed that the high beams clicked off at exactly the same spot on the highway every single time I was approaching it, a, a you guessed it, a reflective speed limit sign. I assume that the sensor that detects other vehicles to dim the headlights 
is catching the reflection from the car's LED lights and also clicking them off. I'm not sure if Tesla could fix this via software update, but honestly, I think this is a very minor issue for a very cool feature of the car. It's one of those features that I didn't know when I ordered the car, and I use it every day, and I absolutely love it. Anyway, that's it. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Keep up the great work. Give Daisy a pat on the head for me. See ya. Johnny, before I uh, respond to your call, I want to note, you reminded me of something. You mentioned Daisy, and uh, I realized that a lot of you out there who are who may be dog people and are curious, you might not have seen a picture of Daisy. Well, there's, uh, there's a picture of her on my Instagram, DMC underscore Ryan. Uh, I had bought, I think I mentioned it last week, I bought the Made on Earth by Humans t-shirt from the, the new one from the Tesla shop. And so I, I put up a picture of, of me wearing that shirt with Daisy in the picture. So if you're curious what my goofy little boxer puppy looks like, you can have a look on my Instagram. Anyway, uh, Johnny, thank you for calling in. And I am glad to hear that your auto high beams are treating you well, not just because they've proven to be an unexpected bonus for you, but because you actually use them regularly. So I'm glad since they are a, a normal part of your routine that they are taking good care of you. Now, as I mentioned, I don't use them very often at all. So it's not a big deal to me that they annoyed me. But to your point, I have to say, you know, thinking about it, you may very well be correct. I can't specifically remember if they were switching off as I passed the uh, reflective coded road signs, but my gut tells me that you're probably right because I think most of those road signs out on the pitch dark interstate highways probably are reflective. So I'll be on the lookout for exactly that the next time that I get a chance to use those auto high beams. Thank you again, Johnny. And next up is Chris from Chicago. Take it away, Chris. Hi, Ryan. This is Chris from Chicago, Illinois. Uh, I love the show, uh, and I, I drink the Tesla Kool-Aid like most of us owners do. And I just want to say I love your, your positivity and your, your the information you bring all of us every, every week. Appreciate it. I wanted to follow up on a couple of uh, callers you had on the last couple podcasts about adding solar panels to the top of trailers and how much that would actually yield. Um, I wanted to add some insight in, onto this topic as... As a small business owner within this field for nearly 20 years, uh, there I can I can rattle off just a few hurdles off the top of my head uh, with there being an issue with solar panels on trailers. Most tractors and trailers don't stay together for the life of either of the you know either of the two. A lot of times, drivers will hook to a trailer in one spot, bring it to another spot, unhook, grab another trailer, and go somewhere else. So the solar paneled trailer wouldn't necessarily stay with the electric truck at all times. I see that being a big problem. Also, the square footage of the roof would allow approximately nine of the Tesla panels. At 315 watts, you're looking at 2,835 watts. Uh, that, I would believe, equates to about six miles per hour of charge rate. So that's not great. It's something, but I don't know if it would yield the results that everybody would need. Uh, also, those panels would add around 400 pounds to the trailer weight. Trailer weight's a big issue with hauling product. The the least the the less product that you can haul, the less money that you make. So, I like the idea, but I see a lot of hurdles. I love the show. Sorry for running long. Keep up the good work, Chris. I sincerely appreciate you sharing your knowledge on that and educating me. Uh, this is one of those calls where I don't have anything to add. I just appreciate this because 
that is an excellent explanation of why that idea probably isn't viable for the time being. So appreciate the expertise. Thank you for calling in. Let's keep the calls rolling, though. Don from Brisbane, Australia is next. Go ahead, Don. G'day, Ryan. It's uh, Don McIntosh here from um, Brisbane, Australia. Yeah, we just uh, wanted to drop a line and say thanks for the podcast and everything. Um, I do have a, uh, an issue that's been sort of bugging me a little bit. Um, it's mainly around the uh, pricing of the Model 3 in Australia. I think it's good to let everybody know that you know, the prices aren't always reflective of what American prices are. Uh, while we ha- do have uh, more Model 3s kicking around here now, it's, uh, and that's good to see. Um, one of the issues we have here is uh, the base level variant of the Model 3 is only uh, $79,000 after on-road costs. So it doesn't make it a very cheap car uh, for us um, going forward around, uh, around the cities. However, um, the model that everybody would really like, which is the 600-kilometre variant, um, which is the next one up, uh, which I would really like uh, is because because of our distances between superchargers and we don't have a lot of superchargers in the country yet, is $101,000 uh, drive away Australian. So the costs are quite high compared to uh, when you start hearing US dollars versus Australian dollars. And um, it's just good to put it in a bit of perspective that with the cost of travel and uh, currency costs, uh, exchange rates, and, and we do have a bit of a, a luxury car tax here that gets put on it for cars above eighty three thousand, eighty one thousand dollars, I think. So um, yeah, it's still not a completely uh, cost effective solution for us. However, having said that, I will be getting a Model Y when they come in. Um, thanks for everything you're doing, and really love the podcast, man. I've uh, been listening to you since uh, I think number twelve episode. Okay, chat later. Bye. Thank you, Don. I always appreciate hearing the perspectives of Tesla owners from around the United States and indeed around the world, because for better and for worse, I live at the epicenter of the Tesla bubble here in the San Francisco Bay Area, which allows me to see a lot of cool things up close and be a stone's throw away from the corporate headquarters and the Tesla factory. But it also means that I can't easily see how Tesla ownership or would-be ownership to see what that's like in other places. So to the situation of Australia specifically, I wonder if eventually, maybe not anytime soon, but eventually Gigafactory 3 in Shanghai might start producing cars for the Australian market, thus helping to lower some of the costs that you cited because the geography is in your favor on that, uh, meaning Gigafactory 3 versus uh, Fremont Factory. So now... um, you know, some of those, if, if that happened, Gigafactory 3 could potentially lower some costs. But the one bit of pessimism that comes to mind, even on that, is, is just that you need right-hand drive cars, whereas China is left-hand drive. However, Japan is also right-hand drive, so hopefully then a day will come when Gigafactory 3 has sufficient bandwidth to handle both of those markets Uh, in addition to supplying the Chinese market, and thus it will drive the price down a bit in those territories. Thanks for calling in, Don. Dave in Tallahassee is up next. He's contemplating a Tesla upgrade. Go ahead, Dave. Hey, Ryan. This is David in Tallahassee, 
Florida. Um, considering upgrading to a Model S from my Model 3, but I've run into a snag. The new S is want $7,000 to go to full self-driving, and I've already paid $2,000 for that uh, anticipated uh, pleasure, and they won't transfer that from my Model 3 to the Model S. So they probably are cutting themselves out of a sale here, and I think it's probably not good uh, marketing or good economics. Maybe you can talk to uh, Elon about that. Thanks. Wait to hear from you. Bye. I understand your frustration, Dave. Uh, I, I try to look at both sides of it. Opening that up to transfers could get into all sorts of potential gray areas that might be problematic for Tesla. Plus, you know, it is clear up front that the option stays with the car and not the owner. But on the other hand, you make a very fair point about this costing Tesla a sale. You know, they could do this if they wanted to, unlike a physical option like, say, a performance package. You know, you can't just grab that from one car and, and put it on the other. You can't, you can't take that with you, pretend, you know, from a Model 3 to a Model S. So it'd be nice, I think, if at some point sooner rather than later, as Tesla continues to find itself, hopefully, on more and more solid financial footing, that the company will do something as a gesture to existing owners who want to upgrade their car and stay in the Tesla family. You know, maybe a, a one-time transfer or a discount on a transfer or a, uh, or, you know, not on a transfer, but on a, you know, on a new car with the, the same full self-driving package or a store credit or a service credit, something. I, I don't know what the perfect solution is. I'll be honest. I have, I don't know, but I agree that the current solution might not be the perfect solution. So Dave, all the best to you. And thank you very much for your call. Let me do two more calls, uh, both coming from California. Let me go to Tim first, talking. Actually, both of these calls are talking Model Y, so we'll close out on that. Tim, you're up first. This is Tim from Susun City, California. I'm not a Tesla owner, but I am a Model Y pre-order. I ordered it from Tomorrowland in Disneyland last Christmas. thought that was appropriate. My question is, what covers the batteries on the bottom of the Model 3s? I'm wondering about the, some of the pictures I'm seeing of the bottom falling off, uh, going through puddles, or I know you're not supposed to drive through flooded areas, but sometimes you can't help it. Um, also lately seeing about bumpers falling off because the water's getting thrown up into the bumper. Um, so I'm just curious, what, how was the bottom of the Model 3 and then I would guess the Model Y protected. And what kind of material is that? And how does it hold up? Thanks for the podcast. Love it. Thanks. Good news, Tim. The bottom of the Model 3 packs are completely watertight sealed by multi-layer plates. Notice how you haven't heard about literally a single Model 3 battery pack fire. Because you know the news would report even a single one. I talked about the Tesla putting out the fire safety data earlier in the podcast. And uh, that's not just because of the fact that, you know, again, Teslas are far less likely to catch fire than an internal combustion engine vehicle. But 
Also because uh, Tesla really pretty well solved this quote unquote problem years ago. Back in the early-ish Model S days, if you're if you're not aware, there were a few, and I do literally mean a few, Model S battery fires out of thousands of cars. The data at that point still showed conclusively that a Tesla was much less likely to have a fire than an ICE vehicle. But what Tesla did was to eradicate the problem for pretty much forever by retrofitting a titanium plate over the battery pack. Uh, and they went ahead, they voluntarily recalled all of the cars that they'd already sold to that point as well. They brought in every old car uh, if, if people wanted to. And then they put all those, they put the titanium plates on every new build car as well. And guess what? The problem went away. There were no more, again, air quotes, problem. There were no more battery fires out there for the uh, for people in the media to report on. At one point, by the way, as during the development of that, uh, of that titanium plate, Elon Musk posted a clip of Tesla testing that titanium plate. They purposely ran over uh, a few crazy items like a tow hook, a cinder block, and then there were, I think there were one or two other large objects as well. And the car uh, with, the, with the titanium plate on it, just right over them, just crushed, literally crushed those objects. So uh, there is no need to worry about the battery pack not being uh, s- strong and secure or weatherproofed. Curtis from San Francisco is going to take us home this week. Here's his Model Y question. Hi, Ryan. This is Curtis from San Francisco. With all the Model Y sightings happening around the country and the CARB information postings, production is probably imminent. Since you're a great historian of Tesla seeing all the previous models launch, in your estimation from the start of production, when would you actually think we can see the Y in the sales showrooms? Seeing it live and getting a feel of its dimensions would really help in the buying decision, although we do have an order in six months past the unveil. Thanks for your insights. Curtis, it's great to hear from you once again. I think the Model Y is going to end up in showrooms much sooner than the Model 3 did. I think as soon as Tesla feels good about the production ramp, and again, I suspect there will be a ramp. I mean, there basically can't not be one, but I think I'm very confident that the ramp is going to go much more smoothly on the Y after not only what Tesla learned on the uh, semi-nightmare that was the Model 3 ramp, but also what they just learned from the build-out at Gigafactory 3. So those two things together should help the Y get off the ground um, uh, much more smoothly. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if you're able to go in and see the Model Y in showrooms within about a month of its official launch, whether that ends up being next month or you know at some point just in the next few months. Again, here's hoping that we hear more about the Model Y on the earnings call next week. That wraps it up for this week's Ride the Lightning phone calls. Again, if you'd like to call in with a question, comment, or discussion topic as it pertains to the world of Tesla, I welcome and encourage you to do so. I gave you the call-in instructions at the top of the segment. You can also find them in the show notes every week if you uh, miss them earlier on in the show. So stay tuned. I'll be right back with your pro tip of the week and some parting thoughts right after this.
even though I barely got to drive my car this week since it was just sitting at the airport while I was away on business, I am super excited this week because I just made an appointment for service, which will include my hardware three slash full self-driving computer upgrade. So super stoked about that. Soon I will be able to see the stop signs rendered on the screen, the traffic lights, the cones, all that fun stuff, the the marking, the lane markings on the, you know, like the arrows on painted on the roads. And that's gonna be neat. It'll be neat to get that full self-driving preview that those of you with newer cars, the full the uh, hardware three cars already have. So that should be good. That's coming up in a couple weeks. I'm also getting a um, a service bulletin item done. I think I, I haven't talked about this in a while. I believe I talked about it when it really started to get annoying for me, which was uh, a little over a year ago on my first trip to Arizona uh, in December of 2018. And basically, uh, the short version is I'm getting the uh, I'm getting new battery breathers. So just to for those of you with with builds around the same time as me, which is summer 2018, you may be affected by this. If you look up the service bulletin, uh, if you could just Google Tesla Model 3 battery breather, and it's uh, if your car ever makes weird clunks, particularly on either just kind of it can be when you're moving, but for me, I've noticed when when the temperatures are cooler, it's much more prone to happen. It didn't really happen much in the warmer weather of the of the spring and summer, but in even even by by mild Bay Area standards, when the temperatures cooled off, you know, I'll be like I've I can kind of repeat it like when I'll pull into my driveway, which is and then I'm kind of going up a little incline. It'll often do it, and it's just you can he- hear a very loud clunk. And sometimes feel it like kind of right beneath your, the driver's feet, and it's nothing that's actually wrong. That's the good news, but it is—it's uh, an issue with the. I guess it's the air pressure uh, being. It's like an air pressure change through uh, through the cooling system. So they have an updated part for that to hopefully reduce or eliminate that altogether. So I'm looking forward to getting that done. And like I said, yay, hardware three computer. So. That'll be, uh, you know, I paid for that now. Uh, I guess by the time I get it, I'll I'll have paid for it. It'll be about 11 months from the time I paid for it to the time I actually get it installed in my car. So looking forward to that. Now, how about your pro tip of the week? It comes to us from James in Florida. It's actually uh, something of an Easter egg, but fun nevertheless. Go ahead, James. Hey, Ryan, James Stevenson here in Florida. I cannot underscore enough what a fun Easter egg I have for you for this week's Tesla tip. So if you go to the Tesla T logo in the car, a window pops up, and at the top right corner of that, you see the name of your car. If you click it, backspace over it, and then type in Patsy, P-A-T-S-Y, and hit save, you'll get a Terry Gilliam-style Monty Python foot that squashes your screen with sound effect. Then, if you go to the entertainment menu where you would go to get to Netflix, Hulu, or YouTube, you'll see there is a new option for Monty Python. That's not a separate app. It's a curated collection of Monty Python sketches on YouTube. Just a little fun Easter egg for you. Uh, If you're curious, Patsy was a character in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Thanks, Ryan. Love the show. Talk to you later. Bye. 
James, thank you for calling in with this one. I think I might have mentioned it when it first hit, but I honestly probably haven't said a word about it since. This is a good one to remind folks of because, hey, honestly, who doesn't love Monty Python? Good stuff there. All right, time for some plugs. Uh, first, a, a, a sale, actually. This is this is good. You're going to want to hear this one. So Jada, the, my friends that do the uh, wireless charging pad for Model 3, if you have a, a Qi-compatible uh, smartphone that charges wirelessly, and they also make the USB hub. So get this. They've got $20 off of one Jada wireless charging pad using the coupon code Jada Pad, all one word, J E D A P A D. $10 off of one Jada USB hub if you use the coupon code Jada Hub, all one word. Or if you buy both, $45 off. The coupon code is Jada Bundle. Obviously, you'll need both of them in your cart there. So uh, if that is of interest to you, that's, that's the best deal I've ever seen them run. Uh, on those, so either individually or together. So if those are of interest to you, uh, and I, like I said, I, I use both in my car. I, I really do enjoy both of those products. Please use my uh, referral link, which will take you to their webpage, and then you can throw them in your cart, use those, uh, whatever the, whichever those codes you want to use, and then get your discount and check out. So the website to go to for that is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. So get Jada and Jada again spelled J-E-D-A. Meanwhile, Pure Tesla, if you need a turnkey one-stop solution for your dash cam slash sentry mode, you can head over to puretesla.com slash RTL and then just order whichever the two kits you like. There's a 128 gigabyte kit for $49. That's what I'm using or the uh, 256 gigabyte kit for $69 if you'd like a little more space. Uh, it just comes formatted, ready to go, out of the package. Just take it out of the package and straight into your car. No problem. Works with Mac and PC. They'll ship free in the United States or uh, a reasonable shipping rate if you are international. So again, puretesla.com slash RTL because this uh, this kit, you know, US the USB keys, the USB sticks, as, as I have personally learned and many of us have been learning, are uh, they do not hold up to the constant reading and writing and reading and writing of the, uh, the Dashcam Sentry Mode application. So the Pure Tesla kit uses a micro SD card with a USB adapter that's, uh, that's much more conducive. It's designed for frequent reading and writing. So check that out. If that's of interest, Meanwhile, abstractocean.com, they've got plenty of goodies as well, whether you're interested in the tempered glass screen protectors for your Model 3, complete with, they've even got uh, molded in the very subtle curve in the bottom of the glass. It is just a a beautiful piece of glass to protect your screen there from scratches, fingerprints, etc. They've got those center console wraps if you want to change the look and or feel of your Model 3 center console. Uh, all kinds of stuff. Lighting kits are very popular on abstractocean.com. So uh, give a browse over there. Take a look. They've got a lot of stuff. Pile everything you like into your cart all at once because this is a one-time use first customer uh, coupon code. So for your first visit to abstractocean.com, use the coupon code RTLPODCAST 
at checkout, and that will get you 15% off of that first order that you make with them. And then, uh, of course, Immaculate Reflections, if you are in the Bay Area or going to be in the Bay Area, maybe you're taking delivery at the factory or near it, uh, and you want to get your car, that extra level of detail and, and beautification and protection, you can head over to my friend Jeff at Immaculate Reflections to get uh, take advantage of the deals he's running for listeners of this podcast. There is the $100 off any ceramic coating package or $100 off of any partial paint protection film package if you just wanted to do the front end of your car with the uh, PPF. However, if you do decide to go full PPF, whole car, $250 discount off of that. Uh, you can learn more or get in touch with Jeff at Immaculate Reflections via the website irdetailing.com. You can also see examples of his work there or on Yelp or Instagram. So Yelp, you can find him yelp.com slash Immaculate Reflections. And on Instagram, his handle is Immaculate underscore Reflections. And finally, I just want to mention my Patreon. Uh, that is the place you can go if you'd like to uh, go ahead and give that extra level of support to my uh, efforts here. You know, I do put a lot of time and energy and, and enthusiasm and, and uh, research into this podcast each and every week. And if you feel like I've earned your trust, I've, you've, I've earned your support, and you'd, you'd like to go ahead and support me on Patreon, you can find all the information about uh, how to do that. It's very easy, very secure. Uh, Patreon.com slash Tesla Podcast. There are several different tiers you can choose that'll get you some extra nice little perks and benefits, such as early access to each week's episode, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So Patreon.com slash Tesla Podcast. Meanwhile, if you're not already subscribing to the podcast, you can do so at zero cost to you it's just a convenience thing. So subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, which is inside your car, Spotify, or I've also got uh, the just the audio on YouTube. There, you know, there is no video of this, but you can listen to it on YouTube on my YouTube channel if you so desire. So do that and uh, subscribe on any of those platforms because then you will be automatically notified each time a new episode drops rather than having to remember, oh yeah, it's Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. It's time to go listen or go download or at least the uh, the new episode of Ride the Lightning. So subscribe on any format you prefer there. A reminder that you can email me anytime. My email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter if you so desire. I'm at DMC underscore Ryan. Same handle on Instagram. A word of warning, Twitter is not all Tesla stuff. There's a lot of video game stuff, some baseball stuff, uh, just sort of other general interest things that I tweet about in life. But my Instagram is nothing but Tesla. It is just entirely Tesla uh, stuff. So uh, if either of those are of interest to you, if you'd, if you'd like to get a little bit more of me each and every week, those are the two social media avenues through which to do it. Uh, and with that, I want to close out the show by thanking the Patreon producers. These are the folks that are supporting me on Patreon at the producer tier. I want to thank each and every one of them because their ongoing support really makes a huge difference in my life. 
you know, it all adds up. That's the thing. Every dollar, every, you know, every $2, every $5, whatever it is pledged each month, it really does add up. So a big thank you to the Patreon producers who are Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Michael Lester, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lars Hoffman, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Brian Hope, Bill Royko, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Michael Waddle, Daniel Grummer, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Rob Brewer, Ron Lee, Chris Konesnik, John Cody, Matthew Wright, Aaron Appleby, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Scott Gillis, Will Stedman, Evie Tricity UK, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, Richard Folkers, Matt Kalen, Trenton from Myrtle Beach, Lisa Kaz, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, and Mark Eversole. Thank you all so very much. I do sincerely mean that. All right, for a, a very passed out puppy to my left, Daisy the Boxer Puppy, I'm Ryan McCaffrey, as you well know. I want to thank each and every one of you for taking the time out of your busy lives to give me an hour or so of, of your uh, attention each and every week as I go over the happenings in the world of Tesla. I, I love doing this podcast. It's so much fun. Next week is going to be super fun with the earnings call, uh, assuming it's not some just like shockingly unexpected bad news. But boy, the stock has been continuing to soar. It's closer to $600 at this point, at least as I record, than $500. It's just the 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 rise. It's been quite a roller coaster. Yeah, five sixty four and change is what it closed out at for the week. Woo, love seeing it. Uh, I wish you know every every stockholder uh, well. I don't wish the short sellers well. <laughs> I hope I hope they continue to lose a bunch of money because the misinformation. It's just there's you know, it's just it's just unethical in my opinion. But anyway. I'm not a financial podcast. That's not really my beat. But in any case, um, happy electric motoring, everybody. And I'll see you back here next week for the earnings, the Q1, excuse me, Q4 earnings call recap and analysis. Stay tuned for that next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.